Whether you're a first-time poultry owner or looking to expand your flock, you can always use some helpful advice. Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered. With great info and products to help raise healthy birds in-store or online at farmandfleet.com forward slash chick days. When it comes to implementing something new on a farm, do you look at what your neighbors are doing to get ideas? Well, now you can. Wisconsin farmers are sharing how they use cover crops and helping to improve cover cropping for farmers all around the state through the Wisconsin Cover Crop Survey. I'm Charity Seebecker with the Midwest Farm Report. And Dan Smith, Southwest Regional Agronomist for UW-Madison, says this survey has helped them to fill critical knowledge gaps concerning the performance of cover crops after different harvest cycles. The Wisconsin Cover Crop Survey had a goal of looking at how much biomass was actually being produced on farms with cover crops planted in the fall or even after a summer harvested crop. And this data was really important to see how successful some cover crop species were in Wisconsin. We had a lot of data about how winter rye was working really well after most crops, but we just didn't have enough data about how well, say, a brassica or legume performed after winter wheat harvest versus corn silage harvest. So we wanted to work with Wisconsin farmers, and we greatly appreciate all their collaborations and thank them for partnering with us to collect some of that data. And based on the results that you've seen, what are you learning from cover cropping farmers around the state? So predominantly after any crop harvest, winter rye is the most popular cover crop. But we see phenomenal biomass yields after our summer harvested crops, which is really encouraging. So we can start to look at the different dynamics of cover cropping, the different benefits of cover cropping from those biomass amounts. We've also seen the most popular way to establish a cover crop is a no-till drill. So that's predominantly done on most farms. Other methods include, say, like a drone seeding or an aerial seeding type pass um, or even um, a broadcast seeding. Were there any significant challenges or barriers that farmers reported when it comes to adopting or effectively using those cover crops? Yeah, so time was the main one. Um, we always think about cost, but time was actually number one, time to seed the cover crop. The cost was a, an also a substantial factor, but there's many cost share programs available, and there's also um, a lot of farmers that are seeing the benefits of cover cropping for a few years now, so they want to make that investment in that cover crop. When it comes to some of this data, did it change depending on where in Wisconsin they were? Can you kind of give me some trends of things you saw in that regard? Yeah, so what's really encouraging from the survey data is we're seeing a phenomenal amount of biomass being produced in southern Wisconsin and either up into north central Wisconsin, all the way almost to Spooner, Wisconsin, after winter wheat. After corn silage, though, the biomass levels really change a lot. So we're seeing a, a pretty decent amount of biomass, say Dane County, Rock County, Grant County. Um, but as we move farther north, that biomass really tapers off. The good news is, though, is those farms are still seeding crops that are going to overwinter. So we'll still see a phenomenal amount of biomass in the spring. So we are seeing some regional trends. We're working to expand the survey. Um, next year, we hope to grow the survey even more into different parts of the state we haven't been to yet, such as the Central Sands and more into, um, say, the northwest corner of the state. What type of crops were mainly covered? What trends did you see? Was it including specialty crops or was it mainly, you know, the corn, the soybeans, the things that are talked about every day? Some summer harvested vegetables, um, including snap beans, peas, and we're seeing a phenomenal amount of brassicas, legumes, and grass cover crop species seeded after those crops. And we're seeing several tons of biomass being produced after those crop harvests. Um, what we're really interested in is expanding that portion of the database because those farmers are interested in using cover crops too, but that's a tricky time for 
forests in Wisconsin. Depending on where you're at in the state, you may not get a lot of precipitation in that late summer period. So that's where we're looking to see um, where we can pair the biomass data with the weather data, see where we can make some good recommendations. More to come on that. What knowledge gaps have emerged since doing this survey? Probably the biggest one is the need for spring biomass data too. So we added that this year and also the need for nutrient cycling data, which we're beginning to work on. So we're collecting um, a biomass sample for nutrient analysis of the content of the cover crop for above ground biomass. There's a huge interest in that. So we're collecting those samples in the spring and the fall. And when I say we project participants are for the, for the first time collecting those samples themselves. Um, in the past, I had gotten to travel around all around the state and got to see those farms, which was a lot of fun, very rewarding. But to expand the project, we needed to go to a system where the collaboration farmers collect these biomass samples in the fall and the spring. Um, so that's really hopefully going to help fill in that spring biomass gap. Now that you know, we have this information, what further research or actions do you think are necessary to continue promoting the adoption or effectiveness of cover crops within Wisconsin? The nutrient availability of the cover crop biomass as it breaks down is probably going to be the next big research question that emerges out of this project as is adapting our data into um, programs such as SNAP Plus um, and Russell 2 and, and having our data actually hopefully ground truth some of those um, long-standing data sets that are out there as well as growing the outreach potential for this data. Um, because literally now we can go and say, well, in Barron County, we have X number of sites after these crops. What worked? What didn't work? What did the precipitation levels look like? Are we on track to meet those levels? So that's all to come. Um, hopefully we have more partners on the data science side of things in the next few seasons that really help us with that outreach component. And when it comes to that data, who has access or how can you find that data? Obviously that's a big thing with farmers is they're protecting the data. So take me through kind of those logistics. Right, so our um, survey process went through a very strict approval process so we can publish the data. So a farmer's address or name is never associated with the database. Even on my computer, that's true. The data is separate, all by codes. That allows us to be able to share data by county and zip code. And so then you can get pretty accurate data for say your zip code, um, but you don't know who that state is from. We are gonna work to share the data out more in the next few years through a new database tool online that we have a new website where you can actually click on those zip codes and you can view the data. To find that tool, if you search University of Wisconsin cover crop survey, you'll be able to come to a homepage that will be able to take you to a map of Wisconsin and you'll be able to click on data near your farm and see what that data looks like. And that data will include the cover crop planting date, previous cash crop, cover crop species with seeding rates and seeding times. That was Dan Smith, Southwest Regional Agronomist for UW-Madison. They are in the middle of ending their fourth year of this survey and will be promoting the results in the next few months. From the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Charity Seebecker.